It was a quiet Christmas eight years ago for Jenny, Jack, Della, and me as we awaited the birth of the baby due January 5th. We laid low. It was just us. We'd asked other family to wait and hold their visits until after the pending birth. Still, there was something in me that wanted to have a festive meal. And so I bought a prime rib and all the trimmings. I read all the instructions. I watched all of the YouTube cooking videos. And then that Christmas day, I started the meal prep. I chopped onions and Brussels sprouts and pulled the meat out of the fridge as I'd read to, to let it reach room temperature on the counter. And it was about 30 minutes after that that my wife, Jenny, came downstairs. Okay, stay calm, but I think my labor has just started. Whoa, I said, okay, okay, should we? And she said, no, 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 there's nothing to do yet, but I'm just gonna go back upstairs, I'm gonna lay down, I'm gonna see how things progress, but I think this is it. Okay, I said, great, so you do that, and then my adrenaline settled down and my wife headed upstairs, and I remembered then what I had planned for dinner. And so that's the moment that I chose to say after her, oh, and Jenny, um, I think I'm gonna go ahead and make this prime rib. Well, needless to say, that was a Christmas dinner for one. She looked at me with a look I'd describe as, do not talk to me again until this baby has arrived as ultimately this preoccupation that I had, it probably stunted what was starting and ruined any chance that we had of a Christmas Day baby. But then, four days later, he came. Charles Warner Schiraus. And we did what you do with a baby. We relaxed, we breathed together, we held him, we cradled him, we started to set our lives by the rhythm of his breaths. And it seems to me that's also what you do with the best gifts in life. They are not things that can be timed or programmed, rehearsed or managed. No, those gifts can only be received. Which is the way we can imagine the infant Jesus passed into the arms of the Lord's servant, the devout Simeon, there with the prophetic Anna. When we encounter them, it's not Christmas Day, it's 40 days later. The shepherds, the angels, the heavenly hosts, they're gone. The music has stilled, as Howard Thurman once described. Joseph and Mary, they're just starting to sleep through the night. But as devout Jews, they have already taken their infant for circumcision and naming. And now, after the appropriate time has passed, they continue that practice. They come to the temple in Jerusalem for the baby to be dedicated ultimately to God. And that's when Simeon comes into the temple. He's guided there by the Spirit. Startled at first by his enthusiasm, Mary and Joseph, they can sense there's something about him. The Lord's Spirit is upon this man. They hear Simeon's words and it reminds them of the whirlwind of the previous weeks and months when angels and shepherds had all come into their lives to foretell the greatness of their son. And so they then offer their son, this baby, to this faithful servant that has approached them. And Luke says that Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and the text is very clear about the posture here. Literally, it says his elbows are bent. So his arms are relaxed. He's breathing 
easily. His hands, they are open because that's how you hold a baby. But it's more than that, isn't it? From ancient times, this posture that Luke describes in Simeon is a posture that signifies prayerful gratitude. It indicates an openness and a willingness to receive the gifts of God in your life. Elbows bent, not extended as though you're trying to grab something. And palms open, not trying to clutch too tightly or grasp too rigidly. Breathing easily, heart rate normal, able to be delicate and gentle with the gifts that God has given you. And Simeon lived his life like this. His life was open to the Spirit. It guides him, it moves him, it reveals to him. His eyes also were open to the work of God around him in the world. He's looking around for some sort of evidence of God's salvation. And his heart, his heart was open to those who came his way. And so it makes sense that he would approach the infant Jesus this way, with his elbows bent, with his palms open. Among those who practice contemplative prayer, this is known as a posture to receive. And in fact, throughout Christian history, Simeon has been known by another title. He is called Simeon the God-Receiver. Well, most of our translations of Luke, they describe Simeon taking the baby, but that's not what happens. That's language far too strong. He doesn't take the baby. He receives. And there's a world of difference between this, between taking something and receiving it, between clutching something and cradling it gently, and that difference might just remind us of the heart of the gospel and how we respond to it. The scholar Ray Brown has suggested that the infancy narratives in Matthew and Luke, the stories of Jesus' birth, all that precedes his adult ministry, they are the gospels in miniature form. And he says that we are drawn into them not merely because of their romance and their imagery and all of their familiarity and wonder, but because we recognize what Brown calls, quote, an essential core of the gospel message in these stories. And if this is so, then part of what we recognize in Simeon is a choice that is before any of us as we approach this one born into our midst in these days of Christmas. How will we respond to it? Which is to ask, how will we respond to the gifts of God in our lives? How will we respond to this baby born in our midst? Will we be people who take? Or will we be people who receive? Will we try to grasp, to clutch the things entrusted to us? Will we become rigid and tense? Will we try to manage and manipulate? Or will we open our hands and bend our elbows and try to be gentle and open and faithful to life as it is given to us by God? Well, this question will come to all who encounter Jesus because babies grow up, you'll remember. The child grew and became strong, Luke says in verse 40 after what Buck read for us. Which means he starts stretching his way into this world. He starts enlarging the space around him. He starts pushing out at the boundaries or just ignoring them, jumping them altogether. He grows from the one who fit into the crook of Simeon's arm into the one who is beyond all of our grasps. From the one who sits in a nativity scene on a table to the one who starts turning over furniture in the house of worship. It's not always Christmas, you see. And we love Christmas, and maybe part of why we do is because that's the Jesus 
that we can hold, the one we can take easily, the one that we can clutch, the one that we can then form in the image that we want him to be. And that's what so many of us end up looking for when we come to Jesus. And that's what they were looking for in Simeon's day too. Simeon has been waiting his entire life. We see that with the temple setting of this scene, this locale telling us not only where Simeon is standing physically, but also that he is theologically right in the middle of Jewish messianic expectations, what the Jewish people wanted for a Messiah, expectations that so often began as ours do, with extended arms and grasping hands and set formulated plans. Yes, Jesus was constantly encountering those who were stretching out to direct him, to mold him into the one that they had been waiting for. And it even follows him unto the end of his life. Notice one of the last things he says to Mary Magdalene outside his tomb as he stands there resurrected in the fullness of glory, the risen one who could not be held by a tomb. He has to say to her, don't hold on to me. Because I can imagine her grasping at him, reaching out to grab or to take something. And he says to her again, relax your arms and open your hands because we don't come to know Jesus by taking hold. We come to know Jesus, the life that he brings by receiving, with our arms open and our limbs free, loosening the stress of what we expect him to be or need him to be, and instead receiving him as he truly is. Setting our lives by the rhythm of his breathing and finding how he helps us to come to understand ourselves and our world all over again. And that's what this baby makes known to Simeon and to all of us who would receive him. It's another way. It's a way of salvation and freedom that helps us to see what we have not seen before. And it was true from the very beginning, even for those first to hear the proclamation of the gospel, as the angels tell them, fear not. And they have to bring themselves to loosen up, to run with abandon, to see this thing that they had heard about. You see, in order to receive, you have to loosen your grip on some of what you're already carrying. We can't hold open our arms if fear is blanketing our shoulders tightly. And we're so slowed down when our hands are clutching and grasping every measure of self-security. And we can't animate and live out this story of faith with our own lives as we are intended if we're holding on to our set formulas and expectations. We can't take on all of the motions and movements if we're too fixed and unwilling to follow in this way of vulnerability in love. And that is a way that is offered to all of us as individuals. And it's offered to us as a congregation as well. And I thought about this as I considered this week what the gospel is saying to us amidst transition as our beloved friends and ministers Doug and Terry have shared this week their plans and as I observe and have been in conversation with them about that decision it seems to me it is with such faithfulness and openness to the gifts of this life and how God is calling them to respond and that kind of faithfulness allows us to do the same not to be people who are rigid or tense, but to be people who are open to the gifts that God is bringing us. That's what the baby in the manger grows to tell us about, to make known to us. An elbows bent, palms open, receptive way of being in this world. 
In fact, much later in the story, when he sends out his disciples to follow in this way, he tells them that they have to free their hands. Don't take a staff, he says. Set down the money in your purse. Don't take a cloak or a blanket. Leave your shoes. You've got to go out vulnerable without the usual precautions. Because with your hands free, well, then you can learn to welcome the stranger in your midst. And if you don't have a staff that you're holding to protect yourself or to ward off what might approach that's unfamiliar, well, then you're less likely to live with a suspicion about this world. And without your sandals, well, then you'll remember what it is to walk free and uninhibited through God's good earth. And if you leave your bag, as Jesus says, well, without it, you'll learn that while you can carry a lot of provisions and precautions, you can never carry enough. And if you leave the copper in your purse, well, without it jingling around, you're less likely to believe that you're self-made. And you're more likely to look around and remember the gifts that we share, that I am you and you are me in this web of creative mutuality. See, with our bodies free, we can run with abandon. Unencumbered, we can sense more readily the spirit that leads us all to the place that we can see and receive the one who comes near to us. Of course, it's not long after Simeon holds him in Luke 2 that the world that has the chance to receive Jesus begins to change its posture, will become aggressive and anxious. We'll try to get our arms around him so that he fits all of our hopes and expectations. We'll try to grasp him so he'll remain still instead of constantly compelling us forward to places that we wouldn't choose on our own. We'll try to clutch him near to us so that he loves what we love and hates what we hate. We'll want him to fit all of our categories that we keep within an arm's length. And when he doesn't, well, you know the story. We will corporately grab hold of him and we will take him to a hill outside Jerusalem. And it happens so quickly. It happens so easily. Chances are it's happening in us even now that the one born into our midst is starting to grow. And we're starting to feel the tension that that brings and the demands that it makes on our lives and on our world. It's so much easier to try to just take hold of him once again, isn't it? Forgetting that the way we are meant to receive Christ in our world is with that same posture that we receive a baby. Eight years ago this past Thursday, I held my son, Warner, for the very first time. But babies grow, don't they? And these days, that baby is now all intensity and energy as evidenced by so many things, including what some of you know, some recent emergency visits for stitches or a knocked out tooth. And of course, as a parent, as a trusted adult in a child's life, we are left to decide how we will respond to all of their motions and what we decide, it, reveals so much about our own lives, doesn't it? I noticed this the other evening. 
We were outside on the patio of our neighborhood pizza place. We were sitting there with some friends. Most of us were sitting, I should say, because Warner was just pinging around, bouncing everywhere, running between tables with all of this energy that was approaching a dangerous level and had certainly cleared the level of irritation. And so he's circling around and he's running by me and I had the reflex that I so often do to grasp, to manage it. But just for a moment, something in me shifted. I don't know if it was the holiday or the ease of the day, but instead of grasping, I just put my hand on his back and I just sort of started to rub his back and the oddest thing happened. It's the kind of thing that we, as parents or trusted adults, we only want to talk about in whispers because we're afraid we might smother it if we say too much. But he, he slowed down and he stopped. And so I just continued. And then he turned and he ended up pressing up against me. And I continued. And then eventually he was up in my lap and I could smell his hair and I could feel his breathing. And he'd get down periodically to go get something to drink or to get a bite of pizza, but then he kept circling back to me, and this went on for over an hour, this gift. And all I could do was receive it. It's not the kind of thing that can be scripted or formulated or managed, and I don't know if and when it will happen again. But I do know that I'm learning that the best gifts of my life, they must be treated this way, with gentleness, with ease, with an open-handedness. It's the way to greet a year, and it's in fact the way to greet a life. Because it's only like this, our elbows bent, our palms open. It's only by receiving that we will be able to say with Simeon, Oh Lord, my eyes, they have seen, they have seen your salvation. And let it be so for us this Christmas. Amen.